0: Hello and welcome to Global Data Pod Research Wrap. I'm Nora Santimani, and joining me today is Raphael Bernager from the Euro Area team. Hey, Raphael, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm all right. I'm all right. So this is our usual month monthly uh, Global Inflation Monitor related uh, podcast where we discuss uh, the latest round of CPI data for the month of October. And then we'll also um, make some forward-looking comments related to our forecast for inflation and how we see things um, evolving from here onwards. So shall we jump straight in?
1: Yeah, and uh, I know you you went deep into uh, the numbers. So the first thing I'm willing to ask you is uh, what are the main takeaways that you, you're making from the numbers?
0: Yeah, so at the global level, and I should add that we exclude China and Turkey from the global aggregates, Uh, What we see at the global level is headline CPI was up about 0.2% on the month in October. Um, Probably one of the smaller gains we've had in the last five to six months. And the reason for that is we got a renewed fall in consumer energy prices. Uh, At the same time, core inflation was up a little bit firmer, 0.27, so rounding up to 0.3 on the month and a little bit firmer than last month, although in line with the average monthly pace we've had since about May. um, So putting that together, that leaves the year ago rates of both headline and core inflation continuing to decline through the month of October to 3.6% on headline and 4.2% on core. What I would highlight though, is that the sequential annualized run rate on core inflation it hasn't really come down further. So for the third month in a row, we seem to be stuck around the three, 3.2% mark. So that hints at some stickiness in the underlying uh, inflation dynamic after you know the quite material declines we had seen through the first half of the year. So this time last year, we were running about 6% annualized on core. And as I said, we've come down to 3.2, but we haven't really made further progress on, on the, um, downshift in momentum in the last couple
1: of months. Okay, so I think that is a key point. Um, and effectively, this is something that, I mean, from from the perspective of the of, of the European inflation area, we, we do see as well. Now, I'm willing to ask you a question because you mentioned core, um, but you probably have seen different dynamics in terms of core goods and services, which are basically the two main blocks in, in terms of core inflation. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about that.
0: Yeah, that's right. So the core inflation dynamic is continuing to Highlight quite significant divergence between core goods and services. So, pretty large gap has has opened up between the two. Core uh, goods inflation has continued to slide in recent months, and we're now down to zero point one percent annualized in the three months to October. Uh, we were about two percent in July, so that's come down pretty sharply. Um, at the same time, core services inflation remains stuck at an uncomfortably high 4.2%. And that's down only a tiny bit from 45 in in July. So, so clearly, there's a pretty big gap here that's opened up. Um, if we look regionally, there's also some interesting divergences uh, worth highlighting. For the US, uh, we have in our forecast a, a near-term rebound in US core inflation momentum uh, to from 2.9% in the third quarter. So, you know, after the easing that we had seen through the last quarter, there's a bit of a pickup in momentum terms in US core inflation. At the same time, your region, your area, things look quite rosy.
1: Well, I mean, Uh, it it certainly has a flavor of what you've described before um, in a way. the bottom line is that we've seen a lot of uh fading inf- of inflationary pressures at the start of the year um uh, th- that was largely concentrated on the core good side uh, and the services part is something that i've shown uh, more stickiness. it's declining uh but certainly the pace of decline is is not the same now i, I don't want to get into too much details in, in the sense that we have some distortion this year but if, even if you uh, take that on board exclude them there is a a great sense that inflationary pressures have have declined but the the key interesting things is what you've just highlighted before which is over the last few months the momentum is probably something that i would describe as something that is fairly stable and we need to see more Um, and the place where we need to see something more is is effectively on the services side um so I, I would characterize things in a way that um, is very close to what you've described for something which is which is globally. Now the place that may offer something that is slightly different is the, the M word. So maybe you want to um, tell us a little bit what you see in that respect.
0: Yeah, in in EM, you know, we have seen disinflation, further progress on on disinflation, but likewise, we are seeing a little bit of a stall here in the downshift in in core inflation momentum. And um, we actually have core inflation ticking a little bit higher in the near term. Um, So net net, I think the near-term dynamic is one of a bit of stickiness in core. That's not to say we're not going to get further declines in inflation. And certainly in year-ago terms between sort of end of this year and end of next year, we have roughly a one percentage point move down, both in headline and and core inflation for EM. And, and, you know, that's pretty much the case globally as well. Um, Now, whether this gets us all the way back to central bank targets is a different question. And here we see a little bit of divergence, but for the most of EM, for example, we do get inflation pretty close to central bank targets. Um, and then I suspect for the Euro area, looking at your forecast, you're you're likewise seeing a pretty complete disinflation um, unfolding here over the next year, is that right?
1: Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, we we do have in the forecast um, in terms of inflationary pressures uh, and, and constr- concentrating in terms of, of core inflation. Uh, we have some further fading uh, in terms of month-on-month, month, n- not a lot, but uh, this is enough to basically bring core inflation, which is around the 4% mark now, to something that is closer to 3% by the spring, certainly before the, the, the summer of next year, and eventually come down a little bit. So the, the 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 pace, then the movement down in the second half of next year is going to be fairly slow. So we have core inflation reaching something which is 2.5% at the end of next year. Um, so there is something that is built in already, um, given the inflationary pressure that will drag the the away numbers down uh, by a fair amount in the coming few months, but then it's going to be something that is uh, a slower path down in terms of the Awaya numbers.
0: Yeah, just to round that out, with the U.S., um, you know, for October we we did get a slightly softer CPI print, and, and we did see uh, core inflation uh, softer than expected as well. But what we've been highlighting is the you know so-called super core inflation measure, for example, is still running pretty hot uh, at three point four percent annualized. You know, these sticky measures of inflation, Atlanta, sticky, Cleveland median, all of these seem to have picked up a little bit in the last couple of months. Now, as I mentioned, in the near term, uh, we see core CPI inflation sticky around the 3 percent mark. Uh, core PC inflation um, does come down a little bit more and is uh, settling more around the two and a half percent mark. So we are a little bit more um you know, have have a little bit more benign view on there. But you know in either way, i think I think in the near term, the stickiness is quite clear and quite a uniform uh, dynamic that we are seeing across uh, a wide range of re- regions here. I guess one question to ask is in terms of what gets us down uh, all the way down to two percent for 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 DM, for your region. Do we need to see some significant cooling in labour markets or will the sort of residual fading of the COVID-related shocks um, and the residual fading of the energy shocks help us get this last leg of disinflation? What's your view on that, Rafael?
1: Well, I, I think this is a key question. So there is still in the pipeline some disinflationary pressure that is coming, for example, from gas prices or food prices. Um, in terms of levels, um, market gas prices have declined a lot and the, the CPI readings at the consumer price level still have some way to go down. So there is some disinflation that is potentially coming from there. Same with food prices. Uh, we have some surveys uh, with companies in that sector talking about prices down the line and consumer prices have not yet adjusted to these prices. So there's a bit of leg down here. Now, um, when we think about core. Um, the idea of supply side issues, the idea of gas prices, electricity prices, having basically uh, lifted uh, consumer prices on the call, uh in a core basket, uh, is something that was pretty forceful. We've seen a lot of decline already. Uh, but now the next leg is, is really to think in terms of the labor market and to think in terms of wage inflation. Now, the exercises that we've done in the team is effectively to try to explain wage inflation. Uh, we've seen a significant rise of late wage inflation is around the 4% to 5% mark um, in OIA terms, uh, so quite a large increase. And, and when trying to explain it, the model do a very good job at that empirically. And effectively, what explained the very significant rise of late uh, is effectively consumer price inflation uh, with the idea that you had a lot of inflation at the consumer price level and households um, basically claimed higher wages, they've managed to get uh, at least a good chunk of it. Uh, and uh, the key question is what happens in the world where uh, consumer price inflation has declined by a significant amount? Uh, effectively, if we plug this into our models, uh, we find that wage inflation should also decline by a significant amount. So the, the pressure on services price inflation, what we expect during the course of this year, is that pressure to fade uh, and, and that would help core inflation return to something which is closer to the objective.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess this sort of subpar consumer spending is also helping um, somewhat in, in the euro area. Mm-hmm. I think for the U.S., um, you know, the view from the team there is very much that while services, inflation could slow a bit further, even with a tight labor market, you would need to see a more noticeable cooling in the job market um, in order to bring services inflation meaningfully lower, I guess one area where, uh, you know, services inflation could slow just on its own and um, from the impact of the past um, policy tightening would be on housing. So, for example, rental inflation um, and owner equivalent rental inflation is still running at a 5-6% pace and based on sort of alternative rent indicators, we would expect that to get down, um, you know, quite considerably over the coming year. Uh, remember that um, uh, this has a roughly 40% weight in the core CPI, and even in the core PC, it has a 17% weight. So, you know, that's a significant reason for further disinflation. And then also, there's some easing on the margin of labor market tightness. I guess uh, one area that uh, we highlighted at the beginning is the core goods disinflation story. And there, we think the broader disinflationary impulse remains in place and will continue to linger at least through the first half of next year. That's largely a response to weak global manufacturing activity um, that's aided by ongoing deflation in China's export prices, which are still falling at a double-digit annualized pace. Um, As I mentioned, core goods inflation is already down to 0.1%, so that's below its pre-pandemic average, but we think this weakness in core goods pricing can persist uh, into the early part of 2024, uh, uh, such that in over a year ago terms, core goods inflation could fall from 2.2 to about 0.5 by the end of next year. In the U.S., we've also had these sharp falls in used car prices, which have magnified Uh, the recent declines in core goods CPI. I guess some of that could unwind. Are you seeing for the euro area in your outlook, does core goods inflation remain a source of disinflation or is that largely behind us now in your view, that that leg down?
1: There is still, according to your forecast, some slight journey, a small journey to go. Uh, But to a large extent, we have uh, declined to a very significant extent. Just to give you some numbers, as I have them uh, just here at at the back of my mind, I mean, we were running close to 8% in terms of core goods on a quarter-on-quarter annualized rate uh, uh, in the third quarter of 2022. Uh, A year later, we basically had 3%. Uh, so that's that's a pretty significant step down. Uh we expect it uh this quarter to be closer to one percent. And from the one percent pace, basically have a slight down, but something that is uh very, very modest from here. Effectively, what we assume going forward uh is that uh the pressure on core goods prices is gonna be a bit more significant on average uh over the forecast horizon than what it was pre-COVID still.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, and then another area of near-term inflation relief is uh, energy prices, right? So we we saw a spike up over August, September, consumer energy prices uh, globally rose 4%, but in October they fell 1.1%, so we're already seeing that energy stock shock starting to reverse, and we see that the three-month run rate on the global energy CPI has started to come off. Food, oil prices, as well as U.S. um, gasoline prices, retail gasoline prices are now down about 15 percent from their September peaks. So the energy CPI ought to fall further through November. And really, that should be providing some purchasing power lift and support for consumer spending into year-end. Now I know for the euro area, um, natural gas prices have, have played a larger role and some of those have been re- regulated and then more recently we've seen a little bit of, I guess, uptick in in those prices. Anything specific for the euro area we should be aware of in terms of the energy CPI outlook?
1: Well. There is still this issue in terms of uh, gas prices through the winter. Um, The um, amount of gas that we have um, for consumption um, stocks out there are pretty full. Uh, So a common theme is that we should go through the winter fairly nicely. Uh, We shouldn't get any spike in gas prices, but... Uh, this is something that we should be in mind. Uh, to some extent, if we have a harsh winter, maybe the demand for gas is significant and that creates pressure on the upside um, uh, in terms of gas prices and consumer prices. So that's one thing. I think generally the idea that we have this leg down in terms of brand prices uh, of late is, is something that helps in terms of the consumer, especially that we're talking about items, uh, so fuel prices that are uh, consumed uh Um, every week by the consumer people are very aware of these prices so people have seen the move down in prices that should raise confidence uh, when we think in terms of um, spending on the household sector.
0: Perfect all right and then maybe to round things out just briefly on food prices um, you know this has been an area where we were concerned about El Nino, we were concerned about geopolitical risks, but in the end, it looks like food inflation is pretty contained at, at this point. We did get a summer spike uh, in that was concentrated in EM Asia, but we've had pretty limited spillovers to the rest of the world. And a lot of that has to do with very favorable supply conditions, bumper harvests for You know, grains and corn in particular. Most major agri commodity prices have continued to trend down in recent months. For example, the broad FAO food index is down another five and a half months, five and a half percent over the past six months. Uh, As I mentioned, rice prices are an exception, and we've had a big surge in in prices there that have have affected uh, um, CPI in, in EM Asia. Uh, due to weather-related supply shocks. But all in all, global food inflation outside of China and and Turkey uh, is back down to about 3% annualized um, from five. So right now it doesn't feel like food inflation is causing too much of a headache for anybody apart from the EM Asia region. What's your reading for the euro area? Anything particular to add?
1: I, I, I do feel pretty confident that there is some more disinflation in terms of food inflation that is in the pipeline. And yeah. um, we do have uh, surveys, uh, one of them coming from the, the IFO in Germany, uh, that are pretty good at basically giving us a sense uh, in terms of where food price inflation is heading. And these surveys, or, or at least pricing intentions coming from these surveys in terms of, of uh, the food sector, is a base effectively showing that it, food price inflation should continue to go down. So I think the the next leg down uh, is something that we should feel pretty confident in terms of food price inflation.
0: All right. So I think we're sounding quite um, upbeat here with respect to this inflation prospects. How do you think the ECB is going to be viewing uh, the latest data and the upcoming data? I guess tomorrow we have the November flash as well for well, it
1: yeah, I, th- I think the ECB should feel pretty good here. We've seen uh, already a significant decline in inflationary pressures on, on the core goods basket. I mean, a lot of this was concentrated in the first part of the year, and you've mentioned something which is a sort of stall in the last few releases, or so something we need to pay attention to. Uh, from an over point of view, we have um, core inflation coming down further, below the, the 4% mark, Uh, So I think visually it will look uh, pretty nice for the ECB. I think there are some markers that... makes us confident in terms of a further decline in terms of the pressure. I've mentioned uh, just at the moment uh, the idea of food price inflation coming down, uh, but uh, from the gas point of view a bit earlier in, in the discussion, I've, I've mentioned the idea that there's still a leg down to, to to go in terms of gas prices at the consumer price level. And in terms of the labor market, yes, it's tight. It's going to be less tight going forward, uh, but we are pretty confident that wage inflation should go down because inflation itself uh, has come down by, by a fair amount. So I think overall, we, we feel pretty good about the forecast, uh, pretty good about the idea that core inflation will decline further uh, and that fairly soon uh, the ECB uh, will be in a position where it can start uh, lowering its policy rate. The forecast that we have is the first cut uh, in September 2024 uh, with a series of rate cut that is basically starting after that.
0: Yeah, perfect. So for the DM, I think that's a fairly uniform view. We have uh, central banks are on hold through the first half of of next year, and then they begin to ease uh, in the second half. I think, you know, in the near term, this um, you know stickiness in parts of the the CPI basket in the U.S. in particular, I think, is going to be something that um, certainly uh, contributes to the Fed remaining on hold, as I mentioned. Super core CPI inflation is running near five percent annualized pace. Uh, Core PC is uh, somewhat weaker and, uh, you know, probably weaker than what the Fed had in its um, last uh, projection. So that at the very least keeps them on hold uh, in the near term, uh, provided we don't see any, you know, break towards recession or significant financial instability. Uh, This is very much a picture of DM central banks on hold for the next six months or so. Where that, I think, leaves EM central banks is... um, Cautious and selective easing cycles can continue, I think, in places where the disinflation um, progress uh, remains satisfactory. There, I think, um, central banks can continue to deliver cautious rate cuts in much of LATAM and CE. Real rates remain high and very restrictive. And again, I think with this outlook of EM inflation coming down to about three and a half, that leaves central banks in a pretty comfortable position to ease policy. Remember, EM central banks have targets that are a lot less ambitious than EM central banks. So the average EM um, central bank inflation target is more like 3%. So if you get inflation down to 3.5%, is within the tolerance band and comfort zone of most EM central banks. So I think through this period of what we've been calling observational equivalence in the beginning of next year, um, I think um, in in LATAM and, and 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 see these um, rate cutting cycles can continue quite comfortably. All right, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. Raphael, thank you so much for for joining me, and thank you to our listeners. We hope to continue the conversation on the next Global Data Pod Research Wrap. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to J.P. Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 JP Morgan Chase and Company, All Rights Reserved. This episode was recorded on November 28, 2023.